Yeah, but that's how small the world is, right? Like yeah. we just tied that loop. Uh, I didn't, com- I didn't completely. I didn't yeah. realize that until the words were coming out of my mouth. Because then even the Coast Guard Academy is where I met Justin, because that's where the junior national team camps were. Yep. And then Justin had a profound impact on the trajectory of my life as well. So that whole place is holds. I mean, that's like yeah. where James grew up. All right, guys. Uh, welcome to episode three of Wiggle My Toes podcast. I'm here with two of my favorite people, Justin Moore and Andrea Buck. You may know her as Andrea the Boat Driver. Um, What very few people know is we've crossed paths, well, since I was like, yay high, and we all found ourselves at uh, Hydro. And since then, we've been hanging out ever since in a much different forum. Uh, One of the things, uh, well, I guess I'll start off by saying uh, Justin has won six NCAA Division III championships for Williams College. He then went uh, to the big leagues, D1 at Syracuse, but he's also uh, been part of uh, junior national team development, under 23 development, and Andrea coached alongside him. So between the two of them, tons of... Uh, you know, rowing knowledge. But what I love about them is the perspective that and outlook uh, in terms of life that you guys bring. So uh, yeah, welcome guys. Happy to be here. Wiggling my toes right now. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know some people are like, you need to explain wiggle my toes, but we're gonna wait until maybe episode four to to bring that out. Oh, I the like tease. I, the I like it. Yeah. <laughs> Tune in. <laughs> There's a lot of blundstones being worn at this table. I'm the only one with bare feet right now. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so yeah, like like uh, y- you had to remind me that we had crossed paths, uh, you know, in Canadian Henley. I had remembered uh, Justin as like a very, very serious, studious, very professional person, you know, when I cross paths of you in, in the coaching <laughs> realm, in, in the coaching realm, no, no joke, Justin. I remember I was coaching at UMass, and and we were all at uh, what's that grocery store in New Jersey? Wegmans. Wegmans. And 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 you, you had like a very like strict like dietary, you know, like 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 you were very professional and every aspect of of your coaching and i don't know whether some of that came from you know you also trained as an iron man and all of these other you know disciplines uh i mean i i forgot to mention you wrote it for rollins college like that that is probably the peak uh that's all you have to say and that everyone will be buying in um yes i was a, a mighty tar at rollins college from what, what is a tar well, it, it comes from when they had basic training in Orlando, they would have all of these guys coming in their Navy whites and they would spend all day on their feet and their final roll call was in this huge parking lot that was just all asphalt. And they would finally say to the guys at ease and more than 50% of the guys would sit down in their whites. <laughs> and when they stood up and this was intentional, their butts were completely covered with the tar from the parking lot. And that's how they were identified as completely rubes and, and newbies. And and, and and they're like, we're going to name a college after this. Yeah, that, that's a, the <laughs> mighty mascot, right? A, a pelican with a navy cap on it. <laughs> that, 
And and were you a walk on coming into to Rollins? Like, had yeah. you had any rowing rowing experience? Or? So, I preceded the availability of rowing in public spaces. I grew up in Boston. My I went to public schools. My parents were big believers in public schools. Um, and my neighbors just down the street were uh, who I was great friends with. They they went to Buckingham Brown and Nichols, and several of them went on to. Row. One of them went on to row at Harvard and then was an Olympic spare in 80. He still is angry at Jimmy Carter about the boycott. <laughs> I've, heard, um, I've heard that. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, but I, I, we, were, we were going in at that time watching people row and I knew that it was something that I wanted to do. Um, so as part of my college search, uh, being able to walk onto a rowing program was something that was a priority for me. Um, what I didn't know is that if you were a decent athlete, you could walk on to even really, really good programs. So uh, I went to a, I went to a place where I was pretty much a sure spot to walk on. Um, but the thing that I will say about my time at Rollins is when you go back and you look at the number of people that rode there who are either A, still rowing or B, coaching, whatever happened in that window, people fell in love with the sport. And I'm 55, and the people who are five years older than me are still in it and doing it. So the coaches did something right because we love the experience so much. It's been a part of our lives ever since. I do think that's cool when, like, you see people leaving leaving college and, you know, they, they, they've got aspirations of going into law or, or, you know, becoming a doctor. And all of a sudden they fall in love with the sport and then they're, yeah. you know, you know, really changing other people's lives. But, but I think the – and it really interesting thing is unlike your story, Andrea, you – rode in high school you're recruited as a, a full scholarship athlete to university of kansas right the jayhawks yeah. rock chalk jayhawk yeah um very a very different time a very different path and unlike justin I, uh, rowing has become so much more visible and grown quite a bit but i was lucky enough to go to a public high school that had rowing and i lived on the lake so i saw it my whole life and i was like ah, i, I want to try that and um it was the first sport that I was very good at. I played a lot of sports, uh, but then I found rowing and I was like, oh, I can actually, I'm better than all these girls who I'd been going to school with for so long who'd always beaten me at everything else. Um, so that made it easy to fall in love with. But uh, yeah, I graduated high school in 98 and that was kind of the height of, or the beginning of Title IX really opening up and having unbelievable amount of funding for women's rowing. Um, so very, very lucky from that standpoint. Um, but still kind of a non-traditional path, particularly being in Connecticut. Like when I told people I was going to Kansas, people were like, Kansas? Like if there was definitely an elitism element to that um, in my community, but it was big time college athletics and yep. uh, I wouldn't have changed the decision. It's interesting to think about how that crossroads did, did put me on a path where rowing then subsequently did become my life and my career, which I did not expect that to happen. And was it right after KU that you coached at uh, Louisville before coaching with Justin at Syracuse? So like, I, 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 I'm unfamiliar with that timeline. Uh, I had a little flight of fancy where I went to New Zealand for two years <laughs> to go to grad school. Which um, is like a rowing, another rowing mecca. You know? Which is a rowing mecca. And this is a humbling story. Uh, I went down there and I was and I, I was coming off of four years of Division One rowing. And yeah. Kansas was not great, but we, 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 did, we did work hard and we were well supported. And I went down there and I felt like 
kind of a big deal. And uh, they're called their university athletics are just totally different, um, but still highly competitive, but very bootstrapped. Not not a lot of money, but people work really hard and um, they have amazing international rowers down there. But I went to the boathouse to meet with a coach and, I, you know, I walked through the door and I was like, man, he's going to be stoked to see this <laughs> walk through the door. We need to get a load of this. <laughs> and um, he was just like, eh, and I'm not going to do a New Zealand accent, uh, although I know people at this table can. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, Australian is Australian. the only thing I can do. <laughs> uh, but he basically just said, uh, yep, cool. We train at five. Don't be late. And I was just like, I don't. I don't think I want to do this. I just mm-hmm. rode for four years. So long story short, I never, uh, never darkened the doorway of that boathouse ever again and just really enjoyed it. That was Otago, time. right? Otago. Yeah. Yeah. Dunedin, New Zealand. But in taking that time away from rowing, I did, I came home and I, <laughs> with my master's degree in hand, and uh, I realized that I wanted to get back into rowing, like having taken that time away and just not had it at all. And I got, uh, I got hired at the University of Louisville basically because somebody backed out at the last minute and I was available. So I went totally sight unseen, but based on networks that go back to the Coast Guard Academy, like yeah. this is some of the um, crossover. When we talk about crossover, like James's dad coached at the Coast Guard Academy and we grew up down the road from each other kind of yeah. logistically, like both on the Connecticut shoreline. Um, but Steve Hargis... Um, who was another junior national team person. Which is a great guy. Well, he's, yeah. he's a, yeah. He was the guy that talked me into, into taking the job. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, this is yeah. wild. Like Steve Hargis, um, who ran the U.S. rowing div- uh, junior yeah. national team junior. for years and years and years. Yeah. He was from Correct. East Lyme, another Connecticut shoreline person, but profoundly impacted me getting hired in that position because he gave me such a great recommendation. And I'd coached all through high school and I went back and coached, you know, as a college, as a college kid, I'd coached the masters and the juniors at, during the summers at my, at my um, local club. But like, I had no professional qualification to be a coach, which also goes into like how the coaching pipelines work. Like it is such a small locked box and it really is, and this has changed quite a bit, but it really is all about who you know. And I think that's a testament to why we're all sitting at this table. We all know the same people. Now, now, when you started coaching for Justin, what year was that? I'm going to interject and, yeah, one go thing for it. in, yeah, in yeah, here. So, in. so to close that loop about what kind of ridiculously small world we're talking about, James Dietz, your father, mm-hmm. at Coast Guard Academy, where Hargis was working, who recommended you, became my wife's first coach in the single skull and took her to the world championships in 1992. And my wife credits herself with being the one who changed Jim's Dietz into a coach of women. Uh, I think, I think she, my wife was the first woman your dad ever coached. I, 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 I think people were a little nervous when Jim went from coaching the cadets at the Coast Guard yep, Academy yep. to the UMass women's team. They were like, we'll see how this works Let's out. Just you say know? It's a good thing that there wasn't yeah. an HR department at the... Uh... <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, but that's how small the world is, right? Like yeah. we just tied that loop. Uh, I didn't didn't, completely realize that until the words were coming out of my mouth because then even the Coast Guard Academy is where I met Justin because that's where the junior national team camps were yep and then Justin had a profound impact on the trajectory of my life as well so that whole place is holds I mean that's like where James grew up and 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 also if I could and I didn't mention this in the beginning if, if anyone's wondering how I found my way to hydro it was a call from Justin 
And, uh, and Justin was one, the one that was just like, Hey James, you know, your first, uh, little video that you, that you submitted, <laughs> can you do another one? Can, can, can you, maybe a little more personality? And there's I was a, like, nope. <laughs> there's an expression called the stank of rowing. We're trying to scrub that off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And, and, and Justin was responsible for finding all of, the, all of those athletes early on that are now the, you know, the core hydro athletes. And Justin was the one on that launch, uh, you know, uh, assisting in, in Bruce's vision for for hydro. And he had an iPad and, and it, Nick and I talked about this in the last episode. It was like sunshine in our eyes. And, and Justin would be like, smile, smile. <laughs> and we're like, I do not care if you uh, cannot see. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Now, now, uh, Andrea, when you started, uh, coaching with Justin, what do you feel like set him apart? Like, like, like you, you two obviously have a bond, like, like you guys are, are thick as thieves. Um, and it's been nice that I've been inducted into your <laughs> Welcome. Yeah. It's an elite. Welcome it's to the, very elite. the, the North the Shore. Club of thievery, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, I think to go back to kind of what you, how you started talking about Justin, I think you're very, um, academic, like your approach to it. And again, thinking about my trajectory where it's like, you get in, like I coached, I was a kid coaching kids and then I was a college kid coaching adults and kids. And it's just this very, um, uh, informal, oftentimes trajectory to get into the sport and and, it, and it's worked and, it, and and if you're lucky enough to have very good mentors and there are a lot of really good mentors in the sport you can go very far however it's not professional it it's changed a lot and I think the sport writ large is working to professionalize itself in a lot of different ways but when I met you uh, we're trying, we're trying. And I think Hydro is a big part of that too, like opening up, opening yes. up the vision of like how big this can be and how popular it really is. And we're not some like weird esoteric thing. But I think when I first met you, I was like, oh my gosh, I thought I knew how to be, I thought I knew how to coach. I'd been at Louisville for three years. Like I had, we almost won Big East. I was, I was a third year assistant coach, but then going into the junior national team camp system, where Justin was the head coach and how many medals did you guys win? I mean, you weren't, you weren't just, that wasn't like the development camp. Like this is like the top American athletes competing at under 19. We didn't Worlds. win. We didn't win a tremendous amount of medals. It, it really, the, the huge medal hall occurred after I left when Liz took over. Mm-hmm. Um, but you got them there. Well, I mean, there were like golds in the eight beating the Roman, like right. the Romanians were, the story, I don't know if this was you or Steve Hargis actually, but it's it's like the, you know, those girls line up and their coach is telling them, if you don't win this, like your family's going to be compromised in some way. I mean, the, the stakes are just so, yeah, the stakes are, the stakes are just so different comparing, you know, the, the, the youth of America and like U.S. rowing. Um, anyway. I yeah. I, if our kids, if our kids don't win gold medals at the junior world championships, they're going to be fine. Yeah. <laughs> um, but Justin, but seeing you in that environment and just seeing how calculated sounds negative, but it's like. He's, I, he's got a way of, bo- like so many great coaches, he has a way of boiling things down and getting yeah. to like the core that, you know, like, like you need to address this before you address this. Right? right. You need to, you need to find the limiting factor. And then also, and, and uh, you know, 
I can talk. I can geek out with Rowan. I, mean, yeah, I, 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 mean, I mean, the other day I was I was in the truck. I ended up on the phone with Justin for an hour talking about about rowing and and dialing into different aspects of it. But but yeah, like like uh, yeah, boiling things down, but then also st- uh, setting uh, standards yes. that are hard yet attainable. And 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 what I think is a, the job of any great coach is. I'm trying to figure out a good way to to put this like like seeing seeing the uh uh what's the word I'm looking for goodness gracious give me something uh, yeah, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, it starts with a p it starts with <laughs> one of the things that <laughs> yeah that that became clear to me as I've spent more and more time around some incredible coaches is they have a way of making something that is incredibly complex and difficult simple for the athlete that's trying to achieve it. Yeah. Let's just get this done today. Um, and if we do this, we've done a really, really good job with our day and we're on our way to doing the other things that need to happen. And um, I, I think for it... And the word I was looking for was potential. Seeing the potential in an athlete... <laughs> And and, and and getting them to that point because because oftentimes athletes are very limited like like either their perception of themselves or what they've been told lead them to believe they can only achieve this but but for for a coach seeing oh my gosh you know what you've got another gear here you just don't know it yet yeah and and putting them in a position to to grow and and become the best that they can be sorry I cut you off no no you, that, that that like I as we were discussing kind of like. I had to differentiate myself. Um, having rode at Rollins, that is never going to get you a job. Uh, we were get you a tan. We, oh, nice down there. I was varsity tanning team, and I like I was part of captain of varsity tanning team. Let's just let's just uh, make facts facts. But but there was no way I was going to. Convince a bunch of people to allow me to lead them, have them put their trust in me um, because I rode at Rollins or uh, because I was five ten and three quarters and uh, had a lot of determination. You had to um, add that, that three quarters, right? Yeah, I, 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 exactly. I would have just rounded up. Yeah, to, I know. You know, I, I had at one point I had six foot on my license, but <laughs> the better part of discretion has now uh, gotten rid of that. So, so. I, the only way I was going to be able to distinguish myself was to really study and to be able to answer the question, why? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, if you're going to do this, why? Um, and it's very interesting because I've gotten involved with some elite athletes that's, that don't want to know the why. Just tell me what to do. Don't tell me why to do it. Just tell me what to do and I will do it. Which is, it doesn't mesh with me. Yeah. It's not the right that's not the right coach athlete combination yeah. because I don't want you to just do something because I told you to do it. I want you to do something because you believe it. I, I, I go back to, you know, middle school cross country, t- uh, you know, coaching, yep. you know, where they're like, do, do ab work. I was like, I have abs. Why would I do mm-hmm. ab work? Mm-hmm. You know? And, and if someone would have been like, abs are, are what's going to allow you to, Stay strong and and keep your technique in the mid five. You know, like like I needed the why, and and, and I appreciate and yeah, like I, I'm totally in line with that. When coaches are just telling you to do something just for the sake of doing it, 
I have a hard time getting on board with that. They should at least have a an answer stock. Because right? I said so is not something that holds up uh, under severe stress. Yeah. And like, you're you're so like your toolkit for what you bring to the coaching because you're a psychology. What's your psych? So I got a master's degree. My master's degree is in coaching, but that involved a lot of graduate level psych yeah. stuff as well as exercise physics and kinesiology. Yeah. And at Syracuse, we had offices. And shout out to Alicia, who's now the head coach at Minnesota, who was the other assistant there. Yeah. But Alicia and I are. Um, Alicia and I shared an office and then there was a door and a very thin wall. And then there was Justin's office on the other side. And it made for great conversations between the three of us, but it was always like when an athlete would come in and have a question for Justin, whether it be a technical question, because you're so unbelievably sound. And like James was saying, just like an excellent teacher of concepts, like you break, right. you break it down and you're like, you want me to move how? And you're, you're just able to, to, to demonstrate and use language and reinforce when they're doing it correctly. But the conversations, and there were a lot of open door conversations, which we could obviously clearly hear. We we're all a part of it, but there were also closed door conversations. You could only hear kind of some of it, but mm -hmm. like masterful, like just the way that you dealt with, you know, a population who are under enormous pressure, just anybody in a college environment who wants to perform is under a lot of pressure, but then you're in this, uh, in a division one performance environment and you had unbelievably high standards. Like we were pursuing a culture of excellence. So the pressure was really, really high, but both the care. And I think like what James was saying, like just to get the best out of the athlete, like being able to take that, like, I care about you. This is the way you should think about it. This is how you need to do it. Yes, it's hard, but that's okay. You know, it was just this, it's, it was so much. And it, I get, it was like masterful to watch or it's just fun to listen to or fun to be tangential I, I, to. I, I, I can tell you, as you're saying that, you know, I consider myself open-minded, but I'm also extremely stubborn, you know, like, like yeah. if you give me, I, if you give me an answer, but it's an answer I don't like, or, you know, I don't find acceptable. Like, I'm just going to just like, you know, and I remember, I believe we were out fishing. I, 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 we may have been with you. It was like one of the first years we all, you know, went out to Lowe's Island, you know, which we'll have to plug later. Um, the fish camp. And, uh, and this is actually, uh, uh, this is a very rowing geek. This will be the one rowing geek part of, of the uh, the podcast because it, because it was a, a time where I was just like, huh, that makes makes sense. And we were talking about how, how so many crews are trying to emulate, uh, you know, certain, uh, you know, Australian crews, mm -hmm. uh, New Zealand crews. And, yeah. and I, I saw this concept brought up on Instagram the other day. The little hesitation, or you know, people say a gather at the finish, mm -hmm. right? And uh, and and this is a, an example of I brought it up to one coach, and they just said, "Well, you need to let the boat run out," or, or, or no, no, no. It was like you need to let the boat run out, but you don't want a two hundred thirty pound guy trying to leave the bow of the boat, leave the 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 finished position mm -hmm. in a graceful manner because they're not going to be able to do that. And I was just like, "Well, maybe they should just learn to be graceful." You know, like, 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 like you're just reinforcing like bad, you know, like bad habits. So it's just like, no, bad, you know, so we should we shame him into yeah. dropping weight. I, I, I'm not saying that. All right. But I considered myself a, a fairly athletic, you know, savvy scholar. So, so I was just like, dude, I'm not lingering around the back. Yet. I never called you 230. I'm just I, saying I, right now. I mean, I did get up to 240. All right. But, oh my God. No dude, way. Dude. I was like, I was like six months. Ago, right? Oh my god! Absolutely, brick shit house, right? Oh man! But it was only when sitting with you where you were like, 
All right, the moment you release the knees and in the boat, the moment you release the knees, the job isn't to control the movement to the, the, the front end, it's to let the boat move under you. And if your boat is moving very, very fast, that's gonna, that's gonna be hard to maintain a 16, 18, 20, right? So you need to slow it down in, 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 in yep. some way. And when you described that, I was like, oh, 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 okay. Right. And, and and then also understanding that, uh, you know, and I believe, uh, you know, I, and I always miss, I'm always not unsure how to pronounce his last name, Drew Ginn from, yeah. from, yeah. from Australian. It doesn't matter. Uh, He's Australia. not listening to this podcast. <laughs> yeah, probably not. <laughs> probably not. But, 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 but he was talking about that acceleration right. into, into the front end and so many things like, you know, if you, if you hesitate around the front end and then, you know, r- rush or, or hesitate around the back end, rush the front end, you need to be a very, very savvy skiller to get the blade in on time and get pressure on it or else you're just working against yourself. Those guys were using that speed to pick up the boat. Yeah. Like they were using and, and. What the Orson Forsen was a thing of beauty. That, I, I I love watching those guys. That ride. boat's going 140 at rate 20. Yeah. Which is insanely fast. I wish I could translate that into meters per second um, as they were doing it. But, but it made all the sense in the world that if they were going to get that maximum speed out of the boat, that's what they do. Yeah. But so many coaches misconstrued that with just gather everybody here and then, okay... We will be like a horde of barbarians charging the foot stretchers to get. We're definitely peeking the, the mic on that one. Yeah, yeah. The storm will be crushed into the water. Can we all use our coaching? Oh my gosh! Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, Prepare for battle with the front end. So when I see some of these development crews and their, their boats moving at you know a much slower pace and they're gathering and then charging the front end, I'm just like come on, there's got to be coaching there, you know, like there's got to be an understanding, you know, and, and, and that's like, you know, you're seeing coaches are, are taking in or young coaches are taking in that style and thinking, Oh, you know, like that's what champions do. And it's like, yeah, but like the champions are also doing this A, B, C, D, and E. Do you understand the yeah, why? Yeah, exactly. Do you understand the why that the champions are doing that? Like yeah. you can look at it and say, okay, we're going to, slow our hands down at the finish and then we're going to we're going to move quickly maybe even build a little speed into the stretcher at the yeah. front end why yeah and and if you don't understand why and you're just doing it yeah Eh, it could turn out very badly. In both speed, both speed. I mean, luckily I was a single sculler, so the single's the slowest of all the boats, yeah. right? So I was always taught organic hands speed in is speed out, you know, and it's just like, you know, very everything flowed, you know, yeah. and uh yeah. There's so many different ways you can flow over the top of the boat. It's, yeah. it's, uh, and we don't, again, we don't need to geek out, um, yeah. about that. And, and the one thing that makes me sad though is, as, um, people on the rowing machine, the static rowing machine don't get to feel that. Yeah. Cause when it's right, it is like dancing the waltz with somebody who is in perfect synchronicity with you. Yeah. Not that I would know what that actually feels like now now before getting into you know this next chapter that we've we've kind of found ourselves in and the perspective and mindsets that gone gone along with that you know i always ask people what was their biggest influence or who was their biggest influence you know and in in life or in coaching um and and also you know what was the the biggest uh perception or, or, or change in thinking, you know, where you're like, man, that year I was so fixated on that. And like, 
it wasn't the right thing to focus on at all. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, you guys can take turns. Ooh. Biggest inspiration, Buck. Justin Moore. Just, oh, <laughs> oh my gosh, but that it, deserves a cheer. That deserves a But I, I will hearken that back to Steve Hargis' unbelievably powerful impact that I, I, I realized that I like I knew that in the moment, but I haven't thought about that in a while. And also just for the reasons why that kind of brought us all together. Um, I talked to him last week. Really? Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. You gotta reach out to him. He's like a big Santa Claus, man. That, yeah. You know, that beard? Yeah. You know? He's a big guy. Another big, big guy. Yeah. But yeah, you're definitely like, as, as a coach, again, I thought I knew what I was doing. I thought that I had put time into coaching and I'd gone to conferences and I had US rowing certifications and all that kind of stuff. And then just really seeing, and again, like the why reason, like there's so much just kind of mythology, I think, yeah. in a lot of coaching that goes on. Um where you just like that's what somebody else's coach said and it gets passed along but you don't know you don't know the why and justin had the why for everything or at least a response i had to, maybe it was all bullshit you're good at, you're good at explaining it you're good at explaining it um and now the second question you know well, like when you were training or coaching was there something that you feel feel like you misunderstood or have a, or, or like, I mean, like we all misunderstood a lot of things, but you know, like, like, like mistakes or mistakes that you made that you can keep young coaches or people in the sport from making today. That's a great question. I think taking care of myself was a really big one. And like, as an athlete, like the mentality in the early two thousands was just like work hard, play hard, do all the things, sleep when you're dead. Um, never. I still abide by that. I know. <laughs> I like, yeah, this might be the wrong podcast. Putting a foot on yeah. that. There but yeah, the number, the yeah. amount of the amount, such a Melvin. <laughs> we can edit that out later. <laughs> The amount of pride that I had, and you're 20, so your body can do all these incredible things, but like the amount of pride that I had in, you know, keeping my academics up, but also just working really hard, but also partying the hardest, which was not great for my competitive, my competitive aspirations, but um, definitely that is an athlete. And I think that that mentality kind of carried through into coaching too, where, and we were talking about a little bit about this before we started, where there's just always so much to do. Like it's never done. And there's teams of like 70, sometimes a hundred people, depending on what time of the season it is. And when you have a big group of walk-ons. So it's just so many other people's energies that you're oftentimes it's unbelievably buoying and empowering and enlivening. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But then there's, as there are in all groups of people, like amazing energy sucks, like things that just take you down and the number of nights that you're just lying in bed thinking about like an athlete and they're like why can't why can't she figure it out like what is going on like why what do i need to do or what does she need to do like there there's it's really hard to have boundaries what is wrong with my child (laughs) (laughs) they're hung over yeah um but yeah i get boundaries i guess would be my answer in 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 having a valuing my rest, health, nutrition, all that kind of stuff in, in, and not just trying to manage it for everybody else, particularly as an assistant coach. I, I, I also like, all right, I, but let me, yeah, yeah, yeah. Go I want to yeah, 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 ask a in. question to that. Yeah. What you described when you were lying in bed is caring to me. You were saying, I care deeply about this kid's success. 
how do you turn that off when you leave the office? You can't because you, you do you care right. about it. like and there's so many little storylines yeah. and everybody has right. their backstories and like or like if some kid gets injured and you're like oh god was that me like was that yeah. something was that something that I did I mean what yeah. I'm, I'm I'm in charge I'm responsible for this like yeah. um when I was coaching juniors at Seattle it's like I don't know, kids getting into school and giving people different advice and like am I am I doing what's best am I doing yeah. am I doing my best for them I guess would be the thing and that's really hard to meter I, I don't think it's possible to turn off caring when you leave the office yeah. And but, I don't think it's possible in the jobs that you're doing right now. But what what, what I liked is is how you said you need to take care of yourself as a coach. Yeah. And and I think and I, I remember as a kid, you know, seeing you at uh, Northeast Rowing Camp up in Maine. Right. I always appreciated coaches that took care of themselves and practice what they preach. Right. So like you know when you see a coach going out and hitting the rowing machine or going for a run or eating the right things, taking care of themselves so that when they stand in front of you and, and tell you something, you believe them because you're like, I aspire to be like you, right? And and I found myself, and luckily I found myself back at, or found myself at Hydro because I was on like a, a, a slow decline where I was just like, I was, I was like you. I was thinking about results, getting, getting other people to, a place physically, mentally to perform and neglecting my, my well-being altogether. And I, I put on weight. I wasn't taking care of myself, you know, like, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's so easy at the end of the day. I mean, I, I, I love having a beer after a long row, but like, you know, at, after being in the coaching launch all day, it's easy for that to be like a downward spiral. And then your athletes are looking at you like, yeah, you're telling me it's a lifestyle, but is it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. My, Does that make sense? Yeah. My first year at juniors, we're we're over in Brive in France. Beautiful race course. I mean, it's just like out of a picture book. We got to go there. We got to run yeah, there. We got to go there. Yeah, the castle sitting along that edge of the 2K course. And um, we, so everybody has their kind of encampments. They're all assigned and they're near each other. And I don't know how we ended up near the Bulgarians, but we ended up near the Bulgarians. Yeah. And the Bulgarians were not very good that that year. Um, and I remember distinctly after the heats watching the Bulgarian coach come down in his track suit. Maybe he was a coxswain previously. I'm thinking height-wise that he was. Yeah. He had clearly not taken care of himself. But in between puffs on his cigarette, he was tearing in to these 15, 16, and 17-year-old girls yeah. about not doing things the right way. And yeah. literally we were choking on the cigarette smoke on the, on the other side of the dock while yeah. he was like, I can't even de de <laughs> yeah, deliver yeah, what, yeah. but there was obviously serious <laughs> anger there. And I, I, again, this goes back to, I, one of the most influential people for me was Mike Tatey. Um, but he was incredibly influential in that. I'm like, this guy is a freaking genius. He claims to not be a student of the sport but he is a walking history of the sport. He will tell you who finished third at the world championships in 1944. Yeah. Like he, he knows everything, even though he says, I don't read a lot of books. Yeah. He studied, he studied the sport in his own way. Um, and he was on the team for so long. I feel and like he'd get me. What I, I, don't, I don't read a lot of books. I, <laughs> I was never going to be like him. Yeah. So he was incredibly influential, influential in like, how can I take, these parts of Mike that I respect so much and admire and look at and say, oh my gosh, that's so effective, but have them be a part of 
my coaching authentically. Yeah. Like to actually be able to stand behind my words and 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 not hold up all of these world championship medals that I won and say this is why what I'm telling you is right. Yeah. Because I'm holding this Olympic gold medal. Uh, I never had that. And, and if anyone wants a a good uh, look in in the the life of elite rowers, uh, you know, for the U.S. team, uh, Brad Lewis's movie A Fine Balance yep. really highlights that part of Mike Tatey, where where like you know I, I forgot who was who was talking about him, uh, but he said like while he was talking to him, he was on the rowing machine, just putting down meters, like you know, maintaining yeah. that. And, and his athletes respected that. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah. I mean, it, there's a guy who he was literally off the team pumping gas. And the story is somebody got hurt and a pair partner pulled up at the gas station and said, do you want to roll a pair with me at trials? And Mike left the the, the, yeah. the, the, the gas in the car, got in the other guy's car and left. That's sick. Uh, at that point to go. And that started his his endless career. Like yeah. it, it is really like... Um, was he from Philly? Yeah. yeah. He's a Philly guy all the way. Philly. Huge family. I yeah. can't remember how many kids. I, I want to say he's one of eight. Yeah. So his line was, so I didn't get a lot of love. So don't expect me to get a lot of love back. <laughs> he, was, he was true with that. So, so, so I want to circle back to you, uh, Justin. Yeah. Your, your, your biggest influence as an athlete or a coach, and some, and, and a little, you know, lesson that yeah. you learned that young coaches, young athletes can learn. Um, my biggest influence was Dave Vogel, uh, who hired me at Yale um, and hired me when there were three other Olympians who had applied for the job. And I was essentially Rudy, five foot nothing, a hundred and nothing. Like, how yeah. are you gonna do this? Um, but Dave is freaking brilliant. He's the kind of guy who would, he would come to work and the first thing he would do is the New York Times crossword puzzle in ink, in pen, and then he would start his day. No regrets. Oh There's, my they're, God, they're, they're, he they're, just, they're, I love that intent, that detail. Yeah, absolutely. Because you, you see those people with the, the, the eraser like. Yeah, scribble, 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 scribble. No, oh, no, no, now no, that no, I got no, this no. letter here, yeah, I need yeah, to go yeah, back yeah. and revisit. Nope. Yeah. Boom, 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 boom. And right. it would be done in right half down. an hour. I'm like, come on, dude. Yeah. Um, but but um, Dave hired me fully aware of my limitations uh, of where I came from and who I was. And he, and, uh, he encouraged me for my strengths uh and he literally said to me in that first year um you know what olympians don't do they don't make phone calls on a saturday night to the recruits that we need um because they're gonna they're gonna carve out that time and he goes and i and, and he goes i can see in you a hunger where you will what i need is somebody who's going to help us get the athletes they're going to change the trajectory of this program. And um, and I know that you will, and he was totally playing me at this time. I know that you won't go out and do anything until our list looks absolutely the way it should. And I was like, yes, absolutely, Dave. You're 100% right. That's exactly what I'm going to do. And I would go home. And, and that first year, we stunk. Yeah. Uh, the, no, not the varsity. Uh, my crew stunk. And I remember we once lost a race by 21 seconds and I was just on the bus ride home and I felt horrendous. And he said, just make one phone call for every second you were back. Yeah. 
So I made a lot of phone calls that year. Yeah. A lot of phone calls. Was that back in the day where you had to... That's even more time. Keep feeding the carrier pigeons. But And then being in that environment, Dave also let me train my athletes the way that I felt they should be trained. He... I mean, here's a guy from Rollins College who clearly, and he, he said to me, here's the only advice he ever, he just said, don't give them, he goes, there are certain workouts that the varsity should do and certain workouts that the freshmen can't do. And he goes, give them workouts that they can attack, not workouts that are going to attack them. I like that. And and he, we just, so we would carve it, we would carve it out, but he allowed me to train the athletes differently than he was training the varsity. He did not try and my, which meant I owned it, which meant that I better get it right. And which, so I, I paid more attention to everything that I was doing because I had ownership of everything that I was doing. And fortunately things worked that, out. That, that makes sense. Cause if you own it, then that, then the results are a rep- representation of you. And it's not like, if, if you don't own it, they do bad. It's like, well, it's this guy's blueprint. Yep. You know what I mean? Like, like that makes total sense. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, if I believe something, do it. And, yeah. and, um, and, and, and if you, and if it works great, if not learn from it, yeah. if not start making phone calls. Yeah. Um, because he, he was convinced that if we got the right athletes, he was a good enough coach that by the time they were juniors and seniors, they were going to be just fine. Yeah. Um, if we could, give him better athletes like we ended up doing a 95 and 96 um, that were ready to go at that point, then that was, that was pretty awesome. A lot of that sounds very familiar. (laughs) (laughs) There was uh, at Syracuse, it was like, Oh, you have a conversation with Justin and you're, you have a question or you're upset about something or you need to figure something out. And at the end of it, you're like, yeah, yeah, man, I know what I need to do. And then Alicia and I would look at each other and we're like, I think I think I just got Justin Moore. <laughs> like, like you just like you you frame things in such a way that it makes people really want to do them. Even if it's not even if it's harder, even if it's challenging. I don't know. Like there, there's a real art to that. So it makes sense that he was a big influence on you. But that's a um yeah, motivational motivational tool he's got he's got a great way with words he was working he was working me the whole time yeah (laughs) well my my grandfather who i never met was an incredible psychologist i wish i had gotten to know him he was one of the renegade poets out of nashville tennessee uh yeah he was eulogized by robert frost really uh yeah yeah and this guy was super interesting like brilliant also wicked dark side which i wish i knew about and yeah. and you know the way interesting people do um but i think that that kind of tracks in my family um the the conviction and the ability to communicate and hopefully create conviction in other people which is which is really cool if it is done for good not yeah it's a powerful skill with yeah. great power comes uh, great responsibility how do i the dark this? side let me train you <laughs> <laughs> so how about like you yeah. sit here and you look what's so funny is you uh um, you're you're 
a decade younger than me. And, and what's incredible, you're describing what happened at Kansas and that didn't ex like to, to watch that opportunity that you got on the front end of that first wave in the set and took it to the middle of the United States where rowing wasn't n known. But big time athletics was known and rowing was entering the world of big time athletics at that time. And then James, you came up behind that and, and were like, took such an unorthodox route to Absolutely. the sport. It's like, <laughs> it, it's really funny to kind of, uh, it, it's so flattering to hear you guys say uh, something you said a while ago was, was meaningful or something that you did a, a, a while ago was meaningful. Like it, it, it it changed the way I thought about things. Like that's really, um, and I want you to know that it goes both ways. I look at both of you guys and say, uh, when I'm done, because inevitably I believe in bell curves. Yeah. And I believe my vigor, my influence, and my knowledge is going to become archaic and, and just disappear. And it'll be less and less and less. Um, but with the sport in your guys' hands, it's really it's in good hands. Like it's, it's going somewhere. Well, I think this is a good, good, good time to shift the conversation to, you know, we talked a lot about, about the, the rowing aspects and, you know, coaching and everything, but, you know, here we found ourselves in, in the next chapter of our, uh, of our journey. Right. And, and with that, I mean, I often think like, uh, you know, in terms of perception, better late than, than never. I'm always just like, man, I would have been so much happier 10 years ago had I had this insight into, you know, I mean, I was just so fixated on, on results and, and, and results defined my, my worth, my, yeah. my, my, uh, legacy. Right. And, uh, and it really wasn't a, a happy time. I met a lot of amazing people, but like, like this, this chapter, you know, that kind of started at Hydro, meeting you and having an opportunity to, to visit all of these race courses that I had gone to, you know, in beautiful countries like Luzerne, Switzerland, but my blinders were on because it was only yeah. rowing, rowing, rowing. And now, and now I'm there and I'm just like, this food's delicious. The people are wonderful. You I, suddenly I, I, look up and see and the it, mountains surrounding yeah, yeah. this race course. Yeah, like, exactly. I mean, the description of that race course yeah. is if God built a rowing course, yeah. it would be looser, right? Yeah, God's race course. Yeah. Uh, so, so yeah, like like in this new chapter, uh, you know, the uh, like, like how, how do you, you feel like your, your mindset has shifted? Uh, you know, I, I mean, I, I see both of you now and it's just like, I feel like you're leaning into what makes you happy, you know, and, and, and looking inward as, to be like, what do I actually want out of this, this time on, on earth? Right. Yeah. And, and that could be, you know, being out on the water, catching yeah. fish, you know, salt, salt air, you know, being with friends and family. Like, yeah. Do you want to dive into that? Uh, yeah. Okay. Um, so hanging out with James Dietz, drinking brews, yeah. you know, Whoa, it, Buck Dietz, Justin Moore, hitting Maddie Sailoff right uh, after this, right? It doesn't, truthfully, I, I think um, <laughs> being connected to other people is probably one of the most, and one, it's one of the greatest things about being in a crew um, when there is some sort of unspoken connection that's going on and, and you're achieving something that is greater than the sum of the individual parts ever could be. But um for me, something really clicked when both my parents died when they were 78. Um, my mom died. So we, we, had a, we had a really tough go. Uh, 2012, uh, our nine-year-old daughter is diagnosed with cancer. 
And suddenly winning the ACCs isn't the most important thing in the world anymore. Uh, and I'll never forget that moment. Um, it, one of the things I always wanted to do was be the kind of leader that would always be there for the athletes, not take time off, not take, not go golfing, um, spend time in the office, do whatever we could to, to, to advance the team. If I'm asking them to get their sleep, like I want to show up, you know, on task, ready to go, well-prepared so that nobody's wasting any time. And, and it just became chaotic. And I just remember being in the Galasano Children's Hospital with Mackenzie in bed during a surgery time. And Andrea walked through the door uh, and looked at us and she teared up and she was feeling the emotion, the emotion that wasn't even accessible to me at that moment because I was just like, um, okay, what do we have to do to get this fixed? What do we have to do to get it right? Like we were being so reactive in that moment, listening to doctors, where should we go to Boston to go to Boston Children's and do all of these things? She walked through the door and she just, a tear came to her eye and, and, um, I suddenly felt something like in that, in that moment, when you walked through that door and just saw the scene and I was almost like we reversed places. And I could, I imagine myself standing where you were looking back at this. Um, and, and that's not to bring people down. Um, our daughter is amazing. Uh, she, uh, called us today after an incredible day at school, uh, college and at the gym and out with friends watching movies in Washington, DC. Like she's, she's funny as hell, dude. She's yeah, doing, I've, only, right. I've only met her a couple times. She, and she, is, she is hilarious. She is doing well. <laughs> and, and so that was 2012, 2013. My mom died of pancreatic cancer. Um, a woman who was always going to do things her way. She was the Indian, she was the Indian grandmother. She said, as soon as I cannot be useful to this world, I'm going to take action into my own hand. And what she stopped, she stopped, she just stopped eating. Um, and everything progressed really quickly and was gone soon. And then my dad died of a broken heart. I met 11 months later. Um, and all that happened very suddenly. And for whatever reason, that triggered two things in me. One was um, this ability to go out and hurt myself uh, for achieving some sort of goal, like enduring this physical pain. Like for whatever reason, I just was just like, I just don't have that bandwidth right now to do that. And the second thing that happened was 80 isn't the new 60 for me. Like I believe in genetics. I believe in, and, and if both my parents passed at, at, at 78, I looked at it and when I turned 48, I said to my wife, I'm looking at 10, 10, 10, 10 years, 10 years. Let's get the kids launched in the next 10 years. Let's get them into a great school. Let's get them into a great career. Let's do this. Then let's take 10 years where we're still vigorous enough to do some things that we really want to do and not say later on, I wish I had done this when I can't. Mm -hmm. And then those last 10 years, um, I hope that it involves grandkids and good friends and um, peak experiences, but I don't want to count on everything like it's 
Like my dad reached a point, uh, something happened in his spine, swelled up. He lost the ability to walk for like, you know, a couple weeks at a time. Yeah. And here we are wheeling him around in a wheelchair. And he's like, and he's standing up there looking at me saying, least I don't have a diaper on. Like he literally, I was like, oh, thank God. Uh, so, so that, that was so, such a prominent thing. Uh, and I'm lucky enough to have enough financial security that I don't have to do things that I don't want to do. And I know that that's, I'm really lucky that way. And I don't ever want to not be grateful for that financially stable enough thanks in large part to how well uh my parents took care of things and were sharp with their finances and and thought about the future and and did things really right um that that we're in a position now where i can go watch my son his volleyball matches while he plays in college um and do things like that so so that that for me has been a real shift um there's a quote out there that I love that says, time is our only real currency and we're always spending it. Yeah. And so I'm becoming, as I become older, more and more conscious about exactly how each minute's being spent and, and wanting to really spend those minutes well. I, mean, I, I, I feel like that last bit was very much in line with, you know, the thoughts I came back with from Peru, which is just like, where do I want to spend my energy, you know? And, yeah. and it, you know, if, if it's, if it's not leading me to, to happiness, then I don't want to really engage with it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, yeah. Wise words. Wise I have words. a question about that. Yeah. So I, I have been texting my kid because my kids don't want to have phone conversations with me. They don't. Yeah. Like they want to text with me. So I was actually the other night at three o'clock in the morning when my son was struggling with something, he, he's texting me and I'm texting him Buddhism back. <laughs> yeah. And, 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 and I, do you attribute it to the Buddha or do you attribute it to yourself? Oh, Buddha. Yeah, no. <laughs> and, and basically it's just like, listen, um, he was in a situation that he was not really happy about. And because uh, this goes back to your question about if it's not leading me to happiness. Yeah. But the Buddha says that what creates unhappiness is expectation. Yeah. So how do we establish expectations for ourselves? And it's very, it's very hard because, you know, if we're tying all of these concepts together, how we've been wired from competitive rowing oh is, God. is that, you know, there, there are these standards, these expectations and, yeah. and, uh, and you want to, I mean, you never want to stop striving, but, but, but it's just like, how do these things affect you? You know, like, and, uh, I think we can go back and forth, whether like you need one to have the other, you know, and it's like, and, and oftentimes we find ourselves in this stubborn mode of, mode of thinking where it's like, you feel like you need to suffer in some ways in order to, you know. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy to think that you might wish for suffering. Yeah. But. I, I'm super curious to hear you guys talk about how you establish expectations for yourself, but both of you seem to me to be in great places in your lives and really enjoying what you're doing. Yeah. And I know that both of you have expectations for yourselves and your career and your lives and things like that. Like that to me is super interesting 
to well, kind of hear about. I'd well, love well, to hear you guys kind of like. Well, it's been so cool that these last few years, you know, be like bouncing, like like seeing you and your transition from competitive coaching to you know launching, you know, being a, a a charter fishing boat captain and being out on the water and like you just have this zest for life. And then Andrea launching into like like more spirituality, where you originally thought I was a complete nut job when you first met me. Uh, but 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 like you know like like you all you, like the thing I love about both of you is, is you never stop searching. Like, like you're looking for answers. You're looking to, to live better and, and, and feel better. And, and I feel like when you do that, you can enrich people's lives around you. And you guys have definitely enriched my life. And it's fun having people to bounce off with. And Andrew, you haven't said much at all. So you can speak. Yeah. <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like there's a treasure chest that's about to open. I feel like I've talked a lot. Um, I think to, I think. I think the point is purpose, like having purpose in your life and defining what your purpose is. I think getting away from coaching into the point of, you know, staying up at night thinking about athletes or like, did I do it right? Or it's, it's really hard to shut that off. But I, I, I loved doing it. You know, you give so much of yourself to that. I think now in we're James and I are really lucky to have an amazing job, amazing jobs. Like sick. our, our, our um, jobs are, crazy and there we get to travel the world and we get to hang out with our best friends and be in beautiful places and do hard things with cool people like that's that's my definition of i'm aware of distinct suffering though on <laughs> uh, like i've taken trips we've taken trips yeah. in hydro it's really where hard. where there it so it ain't it, it isn't easy and i know a ton of people who've had these same jobs yeah Who've complained and complained and complained and complained. Yeah. So there's something going on. And even as we do this, and I always bring it back to like words are so powerful because like, like, like challenge isn't inherently like, like it's not a negative thing. Challenge is good. Challenge yeah. is, is what makes you feel fulfilled when you, when you rise to that. But, but, but like th there's a difference between like challenge and, you know, yeah, I mean, like, 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 like the words and how we we take them in and perceive them and the power we give them is is everything. Because you know, you could say challenge. I think challenge. Yeah, I like a challenge. You know, you you, you say like, you know, I don't know, like emotional pain. I'm just like, wow. I mean, I, 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 I you yeah. opt out of those challenges. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, but that's a, it's framing, though, right? It is. Like, it is. like, like, it, uh, yeah. But I think, I think to the point of purpose, like I feel very purposeful. Like I feel very grateful that I get to, that this is my life. And I turned down this job the first time when Justin offered it and said I should take it. Playing it hard be, to get. Playing hard I was to get. There. Cause he's like, you would be amazing. This is perfect for you. You would love it. Slash we need you. And at that time, and at that time we, and we did, didn't say this in the uh, beginning, you were working for Pocock Racing yep. Shell, which, which is a, a historic boat builder that people may have heard of, you know, yeah, in huge, Boys in the Boat. Huge shout out to Pocock yeah. Racing Shells and, yeah, um, and the whole Boys in the Boat story and the Boys in the yeah. Boat legacy, which is yeah. another just chapter of my life that also. You were also coaching. I was also coaching yeah. the Pocock Rowing Center Juniors, but being part of. Being a, a, a small little bit in in that enormous legacy is something that gave me a lot of purpose and a lot of pride. But I think the 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 purpose right now, or like the satisfaction right now, that is very fulfilling. Um, and I don't I don't know what the next chapter is going to be, but right now the what we get to do 
is a really cool way to live life. But I think what we're putting out there in the world is something that the world make it makes the world a better place. And just in that same way that coaching, like you get to connect with athletes and you connect with your assistant coaches and you're, you're part of this really cool, hopefully <laughs> positive, um, kind of like ecosystem. Like that's a, that's a, that's a cool way to live life that provides a lot of purpose. But with the content that we're creating with Hydro, with the, with the kind of the message of the company, my role is definitely an arm's length away. Like people get to look at James and Mac and Danny and Lane and everybody else out there. Like they're the ones who are interfacing with the world, but there's, it, it takes a village of people to get that out there. Um, and Hydro members that are listening right now should know that like any destination we go to has been scouted by Andrea. She finds the the filming launch and, and everything else. She, she looks at the water conditions and 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 really takes in whether you know this is going to be a special place for for you all to see so like like she she is a pivotal piece in this this massive this crazy show that we're running yeah, yeah and, the circus you know and let's not talk, forget about those times where we've been out scouting places where we've just been like no, the boats will sink here. Yeah. Like this people will, will be yeah. pe- like, we will put people's lives in danger yeah. if but, we go out. But James, will, but James will probably do it. James, <laughs> James will say yes. James will say yes. Yeah. Yeah. I really wish we had video footage of that boat. Uh, the, the second boat that was following us out to that shoot <laughs> yeah. as as the waves just broke completely over the bow and yeah. William and see Sam are in there just soaked saying like it's okay we gotta go <laughs> yeah, back it's gonna be fine around the next point yeah. just one more point you're yeah. almost there you're almost yeah. there oh man I, and, and I, I mean at one point, I was driving a Winnebago over Loveland Pass in a snowstorm in March um, for an on the mat shoot. Yeah, yeah for an on the mat shoot in the Colorado high country, where the platform never made it. So we're literally yeah. building the platform, driving the Winnebago yeah. to Lowe's or Home Depot. Dude. Yeah, you building were building the platform. It. That, that like 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 it was a massive blizzard too. Like and, people's flights were delayed yeah. and roads were closed, and we were stranded at a very nice resort for and a little while. Somehow, and somehow, the stuff that comes through the screen is still amazing, impactful. And the like, message, and the I like the messages are amazing, and the messages yeah. make yeah. people want to be the best version of themselves, and that yeah. the world needs more of that. Like they can't have enough of it, and it's not a, it's 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 there's there's yeah. It, it, it so, just, so so do you feel like when you understood that all of a sudden that was the shift in your mindset where you're like oh okay this is the, this is the 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 route i need to to go like like I, like was, was there a moment where, where like i mean i i feel like there was a moment where i was just like this is my only livelihood will be in rowing it's the only thing i know i've been around it all of my life and then i got to collegiate rowing i was like i don't like doing this at all <laughs> I was like, but it's this the only is not thing, what they told it, me it was going to be only like. thing, It's the only thing I I know. And then all of a sudden, like, you know, hanging out with you guys, I started I started really like, uh, you know, boiling things down. And in the way that Justin boils things down, I would be like, okay, I don't know exactly what I want to do, but I know what I don't want to do. Yeah. You know, like, like I don't want to deal with this. Yeah. I don't want to deal with this, you know? And that's not me running from, you know, I think there's a difference between like choosing not to, what not to engage with and, and running from responsibility. Cause I, I do believe like responsibility is like a, you know, it's, you it's should a huge avoid part, bureaucracies you know? yeah. in every 
place in your life, which yeah. is exactly like, where are you happiest? You're happiest in a, on a mountain when you've got a very small group of people that are depending on one another for yeah. whatever experience you're going to have and yeah. whatever you're going to get. Like it, it is the opposite of a bureaucracy where you thrive. You are very exposed and there's only like one person who has the skill set that they have. Like we just got yeah. back from the Bahamas and it was an amazing trip. Um, it was unbelievably ambitious in terms of what we were trying to get in. And uh, everybody, I mean, you can always use rowing metaphors, but like if somebody wasn't carrying their weight, it would not have worked. Mm -hmm. Like it just does not work. So the, the again, the satisfaction or the purpose of like getting to be part of a team, getting to lead a team where like, people are able to operate at a really high level. Like I get enormous satisfaction from that. Um, and I think I, I, there's no balance in this answer because yeah. I think our life is, is work right yeah. now. Like I mean, I have a delightful little setup where I do yoga and do my own yeah. kind of like, I have, I have a life on the North shore, but um, it's so exciting and so like rich with opportunity in this moment. Yeah. And we get to travel the world yeah. and, and I think we, we, we can tie your last last thought into like a rowing analogy, you know, where like like with that crew, you know, whether, you know, the, you know, the cameraman's got to do his job. You need to do your job. The rower needs to do their job, you know, and, and when, when all uh, pistons are firing, you know, we can make a beautiful thing like like that's exactly like rowing a boat with with eight people. If the stroke seat doesn't set this set the rhythm, then, you know the you know the engine room's not going to be able to do their yeah. thing you know and 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 everything it's just like yeah you gotta you gotta own your position and be passionate about your position and it, what, we, what we were talking about earlier like i, I don't know I, I i like when the things you do like define you in a good way you know yeah. like uh I, I was listening to uh like a a, a cook um the, the other day uh marco pierre white talk and he he basically said like his his dishes are a reflection of him, you know, and and I feel like like a, a, as a coach, like you know, you're oh, I I know, Whoa. dude. I've been nursing. I've been taking taking Whoa. my time. All right, I'll be good. I'm coming back. All Keep right. going. Keep All going. Right. I'm coming back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Andrea, yeah. are you, you you? I would take if you bring that bottle of wine on here. I'm, I'm a little parched from yeah, all this yeah, talking. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, like, 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 I feel like when you're passionate about something, it can be, become a, yeah, a reflection of, of you as a person. Um, I don't know where I was going with that. Deep cuts with deets. Deep, yeah, deep cuts with deets. Well, let me ask a yeah. question Yeah. Uh, relative to that. Uh, one of the things I'm concerned about is called workism. Are you guys familiar with, with that term? Um, I, I, I feel like that, that, that it sounds leading. I, I, I don't know. So they're talking about the, the kind of melting of the fabric of society, right? right. Like for a long time, you, you, you lived in your community, your kids played multiple sports. Um, you, you went to church. Um, you knew people just through so many different ways. And now what's happening is um, we are becoming such specialized human beings that you, you're you basically immersed in your area of expertise at such an incredibly deep level. As we're talking about it, we're like, yeah. well, we know all the people in the world of rowing around the country and around the world. Um, but how many people in Marblehead 
are you hanging out with? Or for us, how many people in our hometown or in your your yeah. hometown? Like, how are you meeting them? Um, and when you guys were like, yeah, our job is so great. And you're talking about having this purpose. I guess my question to you guys is, how do we know, how do we make sure that our purpose, which is always more important than any of us as individuals, doesn't surpass and consume us? As people, I don't know. I, I I always romanticize that idea of being completely consumed in your craft. Yep. Well, like like I I think that's why I'm drawn to, to certain writers and certain uh, certain musicians because I feel like 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 that sentiment kind of bleeds through in their art. Where I'm just like, wow, this person is just like so. I, I think being in love with anything is is amazing, yeah. you know, and just and and, and realizing the the heartbreak that that can come come with. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I love that. I, I again, it's just like this this romantic thought in my mind, like um, when you rather do one thing than anything thing else, you know. And and that's not to say that 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 can't can't shift, but um, yeah. You're free, just a freewheeling, <laughs> freewheeling James. R- r- rambling man. Well, you know we've been going for we've been going for an hour, which I think is the longest podcast we've we've ever done. Oh, for real? You know, I, 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 absolutely. Always competing. Yeah. Oh, always competing. Take that, Nick Karwaski. Jim D. Karwaski. But you know, I I, I just want to you know just you know put put a bow on this you know and just say the like I can't wait to continue to 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 grow with you guys and hopefully have you on the podcast again and and just how much I appreciate you both you you both have like enriched my life and like have gotten me thinking about things in in a different way uh, I I can't finish this podcast without plugging don't cry all right. I, I can't I, I, I can't finish this podcast w- without plugging Lowe's Island Fish Camp. All right, yeah. if if anyone's looking for charter fishing off of the North Shore, um, as well as a beautiful Airbnb, which I am currently residing in. <laughs> all right, you have to look up Lowe's Island Fish Camp. Justin is on Instagram. He's active on Instagram all the time. If you want great funny fishing content you need to I, I, I caught my first tuna we literally ate sushimi on the dock you can't beat it so look it up uh you know charter a, a, a thing you may run into me i may just be camping out on justin's couch because that's how i roll if not i'm normally on andrea's couch in marblehead um but uh yeah thank you guys For anybody who made it this far with us, uh, I want to say thank you because um, it's really humbling that that you would think it would be worth listening to us for this long. Um, and we hope you have a, a great day and that this was somehow useful. And if it wasn't useful, I hope you found it entertaining. Yeah, All right. <laughs> like and subscribe for more. There you go.